And joining us for the news briefing, very uh, pleased to have uh, filling in for us, Kang j e u n here in the studio. Uh, j e n good morning to you. Good morning. Well, I just mentioned in the opening, the OECD has an economic outlook here for Korea. And the bad news is uh, we are close to a negative 1% GDP growth outlook. However, that is actually not too bad. Give us more details on this survey, please. Right. You mentioned the bad news, but the good news is that the economic outlook for Korea looks better than other countries mm. in the OECD nations. So uh, OECD, they published an economic survey, uh, and it said that the country's GDP will fall 0.8% in 2020, which is a much improvement from the 1.2% downturn forecast in June. So Korea, they forecasted, would have the smallest contraction among 37 member nations, and And in terms of economic prospects, uh, Korea actually came in third place ahead of Japan, Germany, and the United States. And um, they've actually cited Korea's swift disinfection measures against the coronavirus that really helped um, uh, reach this shallowest uh, recession. And also the report recommended Seoul to continue to give economic support to households and businesses until a recovery is fully underway. So uh, what it shows is that the uh, countries that tend to rank higher on this list are countries that have done a better job with uh, the pandemic and how to handle it, uh, even though we've had this debate about should we open the economy earlier or is that going to hurt the economy? It does seem like uh, rather than focusing on that, actually focusing on the health and welfare of the people with the pandemic as it stands uh, Mm -hmm. seems to be uh, the fix here. This is... um, Big enough news, and I I suppose it is appropriate for the president to actually mention this in the sense that he uh, would actually want to highlight some of the things that are positive in this country because we have been talking a lot of, unfortunately, uh, focusing on some of the negative aspects. Um, The president did uh, mention the OECD report yesterday. Yes, uh, so President Moon, he mentioned it at a cabinet meeting yesterday pretty early in in the day. So let's hear a clip. 국민들께서 방역의 주체가 되어주신 덕분에 우리는 국경과 지역 공세 없이 방역에서 가장 성공한 모범 국가가 되었고 경제에서도 확장 재정에 의한 신속한 경기 대책과 한국판 유딜의 강력한 추진으로 OECD 37개국 중 올해 경제 성장률 1위로 예상될 만큼 가장 선망하는 나라로 평가받고 있습니다. So to briefly explain what he said in English, uh, we became an exemplary country in terms of taking preventive measures to stop the spread of COVID-19 without a lockdown, thanks to our citizens who took it upon themselves to implement and adhere to quarantine regulations. And now, with Korea's version of a new deal and other speedy, on-time economic policies, Korea is being predicted as the country that will have had the biggest economic growth rate in 2020 among 37 OECD countries uh, Mm. is what President Moon Jae-in said. Mm. Um, And there were also other issues that he mentioned uh, during the cabinet meeting. He focused on discussing measures in responding to the recent rain and flooding. Uh, President Moon also asked the nation uh, should come together to overcome these damages of the heavy rain and also asked his aides to review uh, providing financial support uh, in a swift manner, emphasizing that speed is crucial to successful recovery efforts. Right, so amidst all the... uh supposed doom and gloom. Obviously, we've had a very, very 
uh, unprecedented monsoon season here in Korea, and the uh, constant torrential downpours has caused a lot of uh, damage in various parts of the country. And so uh, he has been up till uh, the end and from the very beginning of this uh, basically saying uh, even if it is considered to be excessive, the Mm. government has to really be out there uh, and trying to uh, get uh, rescue recovery missions out in the most efficient and effective way Mm -hmm. possible. There's still a lot of uh, debate and concerns over the ongoing real estate policies Mm -hmm. and then people talking about that. But at least this one kind of glimmer of hope provided by the OECD uh, lets the president sort of give give themselves a bit of a pat on the back so far with COVID-19. And they they handled the uh, response well. That being said, because it leads us to our uh, second topic here, there are still concerns with uh, coronavirus Mm. uh, outbreaks and uh, new cluster infections. So we have uh, daily new cases, and those cases have been sporadically increasing and uh, decreasing. We've been kind of maybe in a range of 50 and 60 for a while, then Mm -hmm. we've dropped down to maybe in the 30s and 40s. That's sort of the level that we're standing in. It does feel like about half are coming from overseas arrivals and half are Uh, domestic community uh, transitions. One note of concern right now here in the center of the city of Seoul is a a recent outbreak that appears to have emanated out of the uh, Namdaemun Mm -hmm. market. Could you give us the latest updates? Sure. So just to give the latest figures, uh, yesterday, uh, the, uh, the health authorities, they confirmed 34 patients were newly confirm- confirmed, uh, bringing the total to 14,660. And as you mentioned, uh, in the case of Namdemo Market Cluster, which is the most concerning right now, uh, one merchant tested positive yesterday after eight cases were previously traced to an, a shopping building nearby. So and one of the eight people who tested positive and who Are, who people think started the cluster uh, traced back to another cluster infection detected earlier at a church in Goyang, Gyeonggi-do, where 20 people t- 22 people excuse me, tested positive for COVID-19 uh, as of yesterday. And the latest patient that was confirmed uh, recently is known to work at a different building in the market, uh, in the Namdaemun mm. market, or the central complex there. And health authorities are raising concerns that there could be further spread of the virus in this separate building here in the central uh, uh, of the city. Also, uh, health officials, they've asked anyone who visited the Kennedy complex from July 30th to 8th or the central complex, uh, which a patient was confirmed yesterday from August 8th to 9th and show symptoms to get tested. Yeah. So uh, it is sort of kind of where we have the usual suspects of there are still mass gatherings and a lot of them are with the uh, church gatherings. You have the Sunday services, but then you have the additional kind of meetings after the uh, Mm -hmm. service where you gather to eat or have fellowship. And the government has been trying to urge people to kind of reduce those kind of activities. But uh, certain churches still are doing it and maybe not in the safest manner as well in terms of social distancing guidelines and masks and and all of that. And uh, it does look unfortunately like this Namdaemun cluster maybe had their origins because of one Mm -hmm. of those uh, church gatherings. Uh, Similar concerns in uh, Busan as well. There's been an outbreak in a hotel and I mean a a high school as well as Mm -hmm. now another uh, potential uh, cluster hotspot in a nursing home here in the city of Seoul. So uh, again, Korea has been handling the coronavirus uh, uh, in in a relatively competent manner. 34 patients is concerning. 
but we have small, little, tiny villages and neighborhoods in in America right now Mm -hmm. that have far more daily infected cases when we're talking about 50, 60,000 new uh, infections every day. So uh, there is that perspective to keep in mind. Every country, no matter how well they are handling the pandemic or how incompetently they're handling the pandemic, they are looking forward to some kind of uh, relief in terms of effective treatments or even a potential vaccine. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is the latest we have on the development of COVID-19 treatments and vaccines, at least here homegrown in Korea? So uh, the latest figures is that uh, a total of 13 treatments and two vaccines are currently going through clinical trials. So clinical trials, this doesn't mean that they're fully developed, so they're just testing it right now. Um, So two more treatments were approved for clinical testing after July 22. So that's the latest updates, Uh, one of which is Rebif, developed by the German pharmaceutical company. And the other one is GX17 from Genexine, which is a Korean-grown company and recently got a green light from the drug ministry for a phase one clinical trial. So among the vaccines uh, currently under development, one is INO 4800 from the U.S. Innovio, and the second vaccine is a GX19 from Genexine, and the International Vaccine Institute here in Korea will start the clinical testing of the two vaccines. Okay, so those uh, are developments here. You talked about two of the more prophylactic treatments uh, that are uh, going through clinical trials and then these uh, other vaccines that are in the running. Some interesting breaking news uh, that occurred overnight was that Russia announced that they Mm -hmm. have actually approved uh, one of the vaccines uh, under development in their country uh, for the mass market. And uh, apparently, at least according to the media reports of Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia's uh, own daughter, Uh, took a dose of this vaccine. There have been some concerns raised of um, the speediness and maybe the the rash sort mm-hmm. of decision to push this into the market so quickly. And, and some questions of why didn't the uh, president, Vladimir Putin himself, take this right. vaccine if it's considered to be this uh, uh, very safe and uh, miracle cure. So there are still some skepticisms uh, in regards to what's going on in Russia. And we're obviously keeping our devel- uh, eyes on the developments here in Korea as well as all around the world as the uh, entire global community r a c e to to find some kind of either effective treatment or hopefully uh, a relative cure with an effective uh, vaccine. Uh, On top of all this, as we've been saying, uh, the country has been uh, suffering from these heavy torrential downpours, uh, really unprecedented and the longest uh, it does look like now, uh, monsoon season on record. Uh, We've had, unfortunately, tragic deaths and even the uh, dislocation of thousands of people who have had to leave their homes and Now we get into a bit of a, some would say, petty political blame game as to Mm -hmm. what is the cause of all of this. Politicians all around now in this debate, and I I guess an attempt to reassess the uh, legacy of the uh, former president, Lee Myung-bak, and his uh, highly controversial Four River Restorations Project. Right. Uh, so Four River Restoration Project is becoming a, a topic of debate here at the National Assembly, apart from all the, you know, fourth supplementary mm. bills or whatever, whatnot. Uh, so... Uh, So this uh, was during President uh, Lee Myung-bak's administration. It cost about 22 trillion won. And people, uh, lawmakers from left and right are debating on whether it was actually effective in controlling these floods. So uh, President Moon Jae-in also recently called uh, for the government to look into the effectiveness of the project's uh, capacity to prevent floods. So uh, recently in the opposition United Future Party, especially lawmakers who've been former aides of uh, former mm-hmm. 
President Lee were out in defending the project from criticism. So uh, to give a couple of examples, a close aide of uh, former President Lee, Ijeo, lawmaker Ijeo, uh, he wrote on his Facebook page that saying that the half of the country would be underwater if it hadn't been for the Four River Restoration Project and that the 16 of them were built accordingly, uh, is what he said on his social media page. And others in the opposition have actually even called for an investigation into the government uh, claiming regarding their solar panel project, saying that the Moon administration's solar panel project was the cause of some of massive landslides in the mountainous areas Mm. after the flood. Uh, However, um, the ruling Democratic Party is actually fighting back, saying that uh, these restoration projects made the damage even worse. Uh, Some of high-profile lawmakers in the ruling DP, uh, such as the former prime minister and now a DP leader candidate, Lee Nagyan, and also key figures like lawmaker Park Joo-min and Kim Bu-gam also spoke out in criticism uh, against this project. Well, it, this is uh, interesting enough that we're going to be talking about this later on during our uh, radio salon segment and maybe have a bit of a debate as to, um, or maybe even debate whether this should even be a debate. So you have one side, and mm-hmm. as, as you rightly point out, most of them are known as um, pro Lee Myung-bak or pro-MB lawmakers. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Lee Jae-ho, the most prominent of them. Uh, Kwon Sun-dong also mm-hmm. uh, coming out. Uh, we heard uh, from other lawmakers like uh, Jung Jin-suk as well, who all basically saying, if you guys did not ruin the Four Rivers project and let it go to its uh, completion, we would not be seeing the severity of the floods that we're seeing right, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the s a m j i n g a n g area is the one that they're mm-hmm. kind of particularly focusing a lot of their kind of ire mm-hmm. on, saying that is the area that kind of had devastation, and we saw that the Four Rivers could have prevented this. To be clear, for the uh, pro Lee Myung-bak side and the even the uh, ruling party side, all of these people who are issuing their opinions on this uh, as politicians, none of them are civil engineers, none of them are uh, experts on like how exactly exactly the uh, actual science of when you set up a weir or if you have Mm -hmm. a dam and how that's going to affect, or even with the solar panel issue of whether that is actually uh, something that is exacerbating Mm -hmm. the landslides or not. There are experts who have weighed in in years past because this Four Rivers project is um, well over a decade old and those various experts, um, even in the uh, conservative Park Geun-hye administration and uh, early on in this Moon Jae-in administration, assessing the actual effect of the Four Rivers project have said there is either little to no positive benefit for flooding or maybe even in some findings have said it might have exacerbated the uh, severity of the flooding in terms of the installation of the weirs. And so that's the expert point of view. Obviously, different surveys and different experts will have different opinions, but We'll talk about that much more uh, during our Radio Salon segment. Let's uh, move ahead. Because of the fact that uh, we are in a a week where the April 15th Liberation Holiday falls on the 15th, as we know, but it is on the weekend, uh, there will be no nominal day off for most workers. That's why the 17th is going to be an extra or supplementary holiday for all the workers. Uh, not necessarily media people because mm-hmm. uh, there is really no uh, day off for media people, especially yes. if you're doing live broadcasting or work for a prestigious uh, uh, newspaper. But um, there are people who have been suffering throughout. And we're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic and then the economic downturn. But the people who are... always have to get their packages delivered to us as customers on time 
in an effective way. Uh, the nation's uh, delivery workers, they deserve a day off. And so the government <clears throat> is now uh, deciding to issue August 14th, which is this coming Friday as a day to uh, at least uh, pay tribute or give a sense of appreciation to the nation's delivery workers. It's going to be an official holiday Mm -hmm. for them. Uh, Tell us what's going on here. So as you mentioned, August 14th has been actually designated as the official delivery-free day uh, for uh, delivery workers. You know, after the coronavirus pandemic, you know, untaxed services and you know, online orders surged and they were very, very busy. So this will be the first holiday for these workers in the last 20 years. Wow. And this concept was first suggested by unions uh, representing the, uh, the employees of local logistic companies. Uh, So the reason why uh, people might be asking, like, why can't they just take a day off, right? But delivery workers, they're hired under a very different employment uh, contract from, uh, you know, regular 52-hour work week. So uh, they are actually excluded from a lot of legal holidays and other working benefits. And and so, and you know, accumulated stress from the coronavirus pandemic, you know, Also, the president and also these logistics companies, they've, um, you know, gathered together to kind of give them a day off. So that will be August 14th. So this year, delivery workers will be off for four days uh, from August 14th through uh, 16th, although the 17th or next Monday is a temporary holiday, as you mentioned. So the delivery people will have to resume their work, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, So some may be able to, well, some people who are hired by the big five logistic companies can take a day off, but uh, there are a total 18 of these companies in Korea, so not everyone will uh, will be benefiting from this holiday. But uh, it is good to know that these five companies, they hire around more than 90% or about 40,000 delivery workers here in Korea, so that's a lot of people uh, taking off their work. Uh, In terms of Korea Post, they said they will not accept parcels containing frozen and fresh foods Mm. and only packages deemed a Essential can be mailed from tomorrow to Friday. And in terms of paper mail, mail workers will be on the job on Friday and will complete ordinary mail mail deliveries. Okay, so uh, the mail will get there. Uh, If you're ordering groceries, basically, uh, you're going to have to get those uh, orders in probably by today uh, or uh, tomorrow at the latest. But probably today is probably the day that you're going to probably want to, if you're going to get the next day. shipments. Which, or just go to an offline store. Yeah, yeah. right. That, that's, that's the best way. But as we said, this untacked sort of trend mm-hmm. has allowed a lot of people to just uh, rely on these services. And there's that concern now. I, I feel like there's going to be this big rush, almost like a Chuseok or Seolat mm-hmm. situation where a lot of people are going to be ordering today right. to get those deliveries. And so mm-hmm. these workers who are set to get the day off, they're just going to be overburdened <laughs> with all these deliveries. And mm-hmm. um, to be clear, it's a, as you say, it has hired a lot of people into the economy because these logistic companies are doing very well during this uh, pandemic period. It's one of the few industries that are probably thriving, but it's a difficult job. We've heard cases of uh, tragic deaths Mm -hmm. Uh, among the delivery workers. We've had very uh, unfortunate instances of of kapjil, you know, that uh, term in Korean where you kind of uh, overpower somebody because of your status. And I've heard cases of people not wanting to share elevators with delivery workers, so they force them to climb Mm -hmm. up like 11 floors just to deliver a parcel. So 
It's an underpre- underappreciated, but uh, often it's a cliche, but it's an essential uh, part of our uh, societal fabric. And I guess it, it is right. And I think any uh, reasonable-minded person will not begrudge that uh, they are getting uh, this much-needed time off. All right. Uh, let's talk about a final story here. A bit of a concern. A massive oil spill uh, from a Japanese ship off the uh, coast of Mauritius Island. Yes, uh, a Japanese ship began spilling oil into Mauritius Island's famous Blue Lagoons this week. And it's triggering an environmental crisis in this island nation because it relies a lot of its, uh, on its waters and fishing and tourism. And it's such a beautiful place. Yeah. So the ship is known to have leaked about 100 tons of oil. And the, in, in inter- according to international reports, the oil leakage have currently stopped. However, there are concerns remaining because there's about 2,000 tons of oil already left on board. So recently in a televised statement, uh, the island's prime minister expressed concerns that uh, there are actually several cracks observed in the ship, which could cause the ship to eventually split. And the situation is uh, worsening. Uh, You know, authorities on the islands, they've declared an an environmental emergency. And uh, Japan's foreign ministry, uh, they actually sent a team of experts on August 9th to investigate key issues. However, the island's government, uh, maybe that wasn't enough. They actually asked help to France as the country lacks the adequate expertise and manpower to deal with the accident currently. So uh, France, they have dispatched experts from their country and mobilized naval vessels and military aircraft to help out. Right. A shame, uh, especially for those who are uh, very much rightly concerned with the environment Jen, we're going to leave it there, but we do thank you for filling in. You have a busy day job, but uh, thank you for your time, and I think we're going to talk to you again next week. Thank you.